Welcome to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And now your host, Tina Muir. Hello, this is Tina Muir. Welcome to another episode of the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. I like to bring on a variety of guests to the podcast. We've had authors, researchers, important figures from history, and of course, lots of professional runners. I like to think outside the box when it comes to the guests. As long as they have a running story like Laura Hillenbrand sharing Louis Zamperini's story, or they love to run, they have something to share on this podcast. Many of the guests I get are based off requests on the survey I did at the beginning of the year before we relaunched the podcast. One of the requests was for a comedian. At the time, I thought that was a bit silly. I was like, why would I get a comedian on a running podcast? But it was only recently when we began the challenge Wardian hashtag where I thought about how fun it would be to have someone on here who makes people laugh for a living. I began searching the comedians who ran. And what I came up with was a mockumentary, yes, I did say that right, called I'm a Runner. I watched the video and I loved it. I knew this was who I wanted to bring on. And as I researched her more and more, I found running was not just about being out there doing it, but what it brought to you outside. She did not claim to be fast. She did not claim to be better than anyone else, but she just loved to run and fit in her pants. Those are her words, not mine. (laughs) It reminded me of one of those popular requests for the guests on the show, more everyday people. If you could see me now, you would see that I'm using air quotation marks as I'm not sure there is really such a thing as an everyday person, but I know what people mean when they say that. Liz was just what I was looking for, someone who brings fun to the sport, but isn't looking to break any world records. And Liz, I'm sure you won't mind me saying that. Her PR of 4.34 is what many of you listening run around. Maybe you've even run next to Liz without even knowing it. I invited her on the show and I had a blast talking to her, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this too. And then when you see her on Comedy Central, you can smile knowing that you had a peek into her brain. A peek was not enough for me, as amazingly, luck would have it, she was actually performing in Louisville two days after I interviewed her. Louisville is just an hour and a half from me in Lexington, so my fiancé and I drove there to watch her show. We loved her even more, and I actually think Liz and I will become good friends in the future and keep growing our relationship. You never know what running will bring you, and that was just another example. Okay, I've rambled long enough, so who is Liz Miele? Well, she's a stand-up comedian. She's performed on Comedy Central, including Live at Gotham. She's been on Late Night Conan O'Brien and Access TV. She was featured in many press publications, including New York Times, Time Out New York, and The New Yorker. She was the winner of the 2008 Gilders Club contest and a finalist in the 2008 Mac Comedy Madness. And most of all, most importantly, obviously, she's a marathon runner. So today, Liz and I are going to talk about how running helps runners think at a level that is just less cluttered than the rest of our day. I think we all know what that means. The importance of persistence in running, not just because, you know, you may not be good at it right away, but just how over time you never know where it's going to take you how to use rejection to get over challenges in our lives when things do not go as planned, and how to plan better on the future without beating yourself up. That's a tough one. The parallels between running and stand-up comedy, and most of all, why Tupac 
is her word of the year. Ready to meet Liz? Let's get on with it. Welcome to the Run to the Top podcast, Liz. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you here. This is something completely different to any of the other guests I've had on, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like, so slow? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Just, uh, just different, different job, I guess. Um, yeah. So I've told the listeners mostly about your career as a comedian and as a writer, and I'm sure a lot of that is going to be evident as the interview goes on. But uh, can you just share your running journey with us? Um, yeah, I, um, I mean, I actually I started as a gymnast. I was a gymnast um, until I was about 14, and then I, I was tired of being yelled at by Russian and Polish people. Um, <laughs> And I, I gave it up, but I kind of, I've always been active. I, I had been doing gymnastics for 11 years. And so I wanted something to just, I, I think I always had trouble um, keep, kind of keeping my thoughts together and feeling calm and stuff. So I just needed something active and I tried swimming and I tried biking and I finally started um, running track when I was in high school. But I guess I thought because I was a gymnast and I did the vault that I should sprint but I was really bad at it. Like I, I think I did track for like a year and a half and I was like, no joke, the worst on the team. So I gave that up and then I just, uh, ate for a couple of years. And, as, in, um, as in literally just ate a lot. Yeah. I ate okay. a lot of food, I food very much. Um, and I actually, it was weird. I was never a big, I mean, the largest I ever was, was maybe 125 pounds. Like most people would kill to be that weight, but I'm a really <laughs> tiny person. So I just had these big chubby cheeks and I, I had had muscles my entire life and I hated not being fit. So I started running when I was in high school and I remember making this promise to myself. I remember when I said I went to college, I was going to join a gym and I was going to run every day. So I went to college. I joined the gym by my college and um, I went every day and then I saw a sign. My school was not a, a school that had sports. It was an art. It's a I have a degree in creative writing. I mean, I don't know if anybody did sports. But uh, there was a like an extracurricular after school thing to run marathons. And I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was like a long race. And probably not until like the second week I did it, did I realize it was 26 miles. And then after that, I don't even think I knew what 26 miles was. So I didn't even know that it was like, kind of ridiculous what I was doing, especially as somebody that had never run probably more than three or four miles before. So um, I signed up for that. I ended up being the only person in that class. There's probably 10 of us. I was the only person that actually ran a marathon. I ran um, the New York City Marathon when I was 19. And then from there, even though it was a horrific experience and it took me over, <laughs> I think it took me a little less than six and a half hours to do it because I pulled my groin, which is a fun yeah. fact. Um, so I ended up doing it in like six hours and like 20 minutes. And then from there, I was like kind of hooked and I started tr like reading about it and training and um signing up for more classes and doing little races. And I, I've run, I think I've run 12 marathons and a bunch of halves that I just didn't keep track of. And which has been your favorite so far? I, it's weird. I, I, I have less of favorites and I have more of not favorites. <laughs> <laughs> which one's hurt the least? The worst one, I think the worst one I ever did, I did the Cape May. One year I did three marathons. Usually I just did one a year, but one year I did three in, in a row. I did the Marine Corps marathon. Like it's always the last. Sunday in October. And then for the first time since the 70s, they brought back the Brooklyn Marathon, which they didn't have the permits. So it was just in Prospect Park. I live by Prospect Park. It's three and a half miles. It's really so you just did this loop like nine times. It was one of the oh, so I wow. did it two I, I think I did it two weeks after the Marine Corps 
And no, three weeks after the Marine Corps, and it was the most boring marathon I've ever done. And don't I always say I just did it for the shirt because it's one of my favorite shirts that I got. And then um, three months later, I did the Cape May Marathon, which is in New Jersey, where I'm from. And I did it with my little brother. It was his first marathon. He was, I think, 16 years old. And it was the end of March, and it was so cold that I I never could feel my hands. Like, at no point did I feel my hands. I I peed in a porter potty at one point, and I had trouble, like, getting the toilet paper. (laughs) Just couldn't. That's when you know you're in trouble. Oh, it was warm. (laughs) I mean, I, because it was by the water, and it was, it actually kind of snowed a little bit right before it started. And my mom had tried to warn me. She's like, you know, March isn't really spring yet. And I was like, I've lived. I've lived a long time. I know what spring is and I didn't. And it was, it was the longest 26 miles of my life. I actually think I ran it faster than normal because I was like, I need to just get this over with. <laughs> the sooner you can get to the finish line. Yeah. I want to do, I've never, I've never done New York again since the first time I did it. And I would like to do it again because now I kind of know what I'm getting myself into. And I just mm-hmm. don't think I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I, I know yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't think many of us do and like they say you know uh, I remember my first marathon people said you know respect the marathon you'll never really know what it means until you get there the pain you feel and I was like no you know I, I've been through pain yeah I've pushed myself hard yeah I know what this is but yeah you're right there's there's nothing no one can ever tell you and anyone listening right now if you haven't done a marathon you know, you may you may have been through pain, but nothing is is like that. And I'm sure ultra runners probably look at marathoners oh, yeah. and think you have no idea. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> we all have different perspectives. But okay, let's talk about the uh, Marine Corps marathon uh, as you did it with your dad every year. Uh, well, for quite a few years in a row. Can you tell us a little about that? Why Marine Corps and why it was so special with your dad? Um, it started out kind of my sister um, ended up working for the Marine Corps, the events planning. So she actually um, not exactly sure what she did for the Marine Corps marathon, but she always worked the event. So it was kind of one of those nice things where um, to finish a race and then to go find her and she'd be tracking me the whole time. Um, it also always fell uh, around her birthday. So it was one of those nice things that we would all go up, take her out to dinner, get ready for this marathon, spend the whole weekend with my sister and running this race. And for a couple of years, she, you know, she was working at it. And then it just be kind of became a habit that every year we signed up and my brother-in-law's done it. My little brother, Greg has done it one year. My, cause I'm one of five kids. So there's a lot of us one year, my sister, brother-in-law, baby brother, and my little sister, my mom and my dad all did it. So there's only like two of us missing. Um, and it was, um, it was a rough year. I mean, a lot of it was <laughs> like my dad probably dragged my little sister my um my mom I think ran walked it was pretty consistent um I think my brother Greg blew everybody out of the water and bragged about it the whole time you know it was one of those things that brought us together and then also made us hate each other uh, equal <laughs> amounts um but it was just a, it was a nice um bonding experience just because I travel a lot and I don't always get to see my family as much as I would like and um I I always tell the story where I I started the first time I ever did the marathon I invited my family to come to it and they were all I'm kind of known as the laziest person in my family. So it was one of those weird things where they kind of weren't sure what to expect. And then when I did it, they were like, well, if Liz can do it, it clearly can't be that hard. (laughs) Liz doesn't do much. And so it kind of inspired my family. So the next year, my mom and dad ran it. Uh, The year after that, everybody ran it. And then um, my dad started doing ultra marathons and um, uh, the uh, crap. What is it? The the triathlon, the Ironman. 
My dad did a bunch of Ironman after that and tried to convince me to do it, but I just traveled too much and I'm not that sadistic. And I, um, I don't know. It was a, a kind of cool way to bond with my family. I, I also performed for a couple, um, uh, did some corporate gigs for marathons and runner things. And I always invite my dad to that because that's me and my dad didn't always have to see eye to eye on what's funny, but to runner people, it's like where it's like where our funny kind of collides. <laughs> yeah, that that no, that I could see that with bonding, and I, I've always wished my uh, parents would run, or my family. My sister runs a little bit, and she's done one one a whopping one race, and uh, but my family just isn't really interested in it. So I've always been jealous. So I was just kind of curious with that, but that's that's a kind of cool thing. And it's funny that your dad has like graduated now, and you're not hardcore enough for him. He's uh, moved on to tougher things than the marathon. Yeah, now <laughs> he's just so injury prone that he's not. Um, any of it and then my little, mm-hmm. my brother that never ran discovered biking so I started I actually he had I taught my brother how to bike when he was you know a little kid and then I had him biked for like 15 years and he came to live with me and he had to teach me how to mm-hmm. bike and now I actually yeah. bike a lot more and use it as cross training and stuff like that so we we're all pretty active none of us are like yeah. all that fast or very fit <laughs> but we're all very uh active you're out there doing it and that's what's most important so uh speaking of that you have so you have your 445 is that correct PR uh no my pet my best ever was 434 434 okay good and um I just kind of was wondering why like why would you put yourself through the pain of this I mean I know as marathon runners we all kind of everyone kind of questions this but do you kind of almost want to get to that state where you're kind of like questioning your mental health and you're kind of like, what can I, do you come up with some crazy ideas I, I would imagine for your shows or things you do, you kind of come up with during those last few miles of a marathon? Um, I, mostly I'm sad the last couple of miles. I don't, that's not my <laughs> peak creativity is those last few miles. <laughs> um, I think my peak creativity is probably somewhere in the middle. I, I don't know how other people get through marathons, but I tend to, if I can hit 13 miles, it's, it's going to be fine. So I tend to most of my races, I actually run my, my, my second leg of it, my last 13, much faster than my almost sometimes like not twice as fast, but definitely a little like surprisingly much faster. That's how you should do it. Yeah. I've always been pretty good about pacing myself. Um, that's something that, you know, you don't know if that can be taught or not, but I never, I, I think I'm a very wary runner and I also, even though I've done this 12 times and I've run so many races, it's always, sadly, it's always been, I just want to finish rather than whenever I start training for a marathon, it's always like, I'm going to be faster this year. And then gigs happen and I injure something Mm -hmm. and something always comes up that takes away from all my training and it goes right back to, I just need to finish. So Mm -hmm. I think when I run, um, the first half is, kind of focusing on the race and the second half I'm in this weird glory of I've hit the halfway point that my <laughs> my mind can wander a little bit I can push myself in a place where I both feel like I'm I'm proud of what I'm doing and then my my head kind of starts thinking of ideas and I kind of can go in this little fantasy world and um I definitely come up with a lot of ideas which you know before having a smartphone I would either repeat them in my head a lot or sometimes I would run home, write it, and then run right back out. Now I can just put them in the notes of my phone um, and just keep running. <laughs> yeah, you, actually, let's talk about that a little. And uh, I'm going to give you an idea here. Um, I interviewed Dave McGillivray, the Boston Marathon race director. 
and he said he carries his phone with him and he turns the voice recorder on so he'll you know speak it out things that he's thinking about so you could you could do that and make your make your own little list of uh things to things to talk about when they come but I I thought this would be a good topic we could kind of talk about because you know that as runners we all know that during your runs you have those crazy thoughts and like you said you you usually run home and write them down or you know put them on your smartphone but we really do come up with the strangest of ideas and a few weeks ago we had Mike Wardian on the podcast um I don't know if you know who he is he's an ultra runner and he's done a lot of challenges and he comes up with all these ideas but he actually does the things that come up in his head which is really cool and he's done some amazing things but uh I just kind of wanted to pick your brain about what some of the most creative things you've come up with and kind of figured you'd be able to go in more detail than most people would uh, would allow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always say running helps me both solve like real world problems, like, oh, how do I tell my sister about this thing I know is going to upset her or like joke problems. So sometimes I, I almost um, will save some of my joke problems for my run where this joke that I've tried twice isn't really working. And I'll start like repeating it in my head. And then from there, it's almost, um, I'm, I think a lot of people do this. Like, let's say you get in a fight with like your roommate or your friend or whatever, and you want to make up with them and solve it. You kind of play how you think the conversation is going to go out in your head, almost mm-hmm. to prepare yourself. We'll call, if she yells, I'll say this. If she says, I'm sorry first, then I'll say this. And you kind of play up with, I mean, I'm assuming people do this, but you play up with the options of how this conversation with this person might go down. And you almost do the same thing with jokes, which is here's my idea. Here's what I think I want to say. But if I had to talk about this idea for five full minutes, what else would I say? How do I really feel about this? And I just kind of play it out. And sometimes from just talking it out, you know, in my head, because I'm not talking out loud, um, I'll come up with uh, theories or, or um, angles that I didn't have previously because I didn't let myself just, when you feel like you have a time restriction, like I have to write this joke and then I have to go on stage, it kind of stunts you. But when you have 10 miles and you just think <laughs> of one joke, it, it, I can't even tell you how freeing it is. So I drive a lot. I run a lot. I uh, travel on the subway. I do a lot of things where you kind of want to zone out a little bit. Um, and it kind of helps just, you don't shut off as much as you kind of simmer. And it just mm-hmm. kind of, quiets everything and it allows me to um think on a level that um is less cluttered and so yeah so I mean I mostly j- think of joke ideas both like things that I think are funny then how I want to say them and then I've thought of scripts while running I've thought of um how to fix you know problems in a script it's a, to me running is about problem solving because mm-hmm. I a I think I probably run marathons because I have a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we all have our own crazies. Yeah. Which is uh, like they say, you know, runners are a different breed. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think um, from the people I met that do different types of extreme sports, it always feels interesting. Where it's like running's the most basic, but it's also one of the ones that like is the hardest to get people to. It's the hardest to convince people that it's fun. Yeah, oh, definitely. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's some other stuff that people are like, yeah, I could see people enjoying that, but I don't want to do it. But whenever I'm like, people are like, you really like running. They always look at me like, why? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I get that a lot. Well, especially when with the number of miles I run, people think I'm 
literally insane and I actually just got an elliptigo and that's even funnier um riding around on that I don't know if you've seen one of those oh like an elliptical that like moves yes you'll have to look it up on that we've actually got a podcast um that's out um which with Alan Webb and uh one of the founders of elliptigo sorry not founder marketing manager for elliptigo and uh so you can look it up there but it's it's basically an elliptical that moves but the way the stairs I get it's like I, I'm from a different planet. Yeah. But it's, it's in a kind of, wow, that's amazing way, not in a usual runaway, which is where people are like, like you said, what is wrong with you? Yeah. So you know, it's funny. I never enjoyed the elliptical. Like, I Yeah, just... neither did I, but this is awesome. If you can get, get a guy on one, you definitely should. Or anyone listening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess there's something about actually moving because I never enjoyed like stationary bikes. Yes. And then I started biking and I was like, oh, this is way better. Exactly, exactly. And so do you have some some jokes or some like sketches or whatever that you come up with that you think everyone will understand? But again, it's kind of only runners would get. And so any runners listening are kind of like, oh, that's hilarious. And then other non-runners are like, what? What does that even mean? Um, most of the stuff, I mean, I is pretty universal. Um, I, I Because I've never considered myself a great runner, I don't think of myself in this exclusionary, I think I'm making up words, but this, this uh, <laughs> way of ex, uh, excluding people um, to my feelings and thoughts. I've always kind of seen myself as somewhat of an uh, underdog and somewhat of somebody that just tries really hard and doesn't get anywhere. So, I mean, I've never really, I mean, 434 is really good for me, but clearly somebody that's been doing it as long as I have should have gotten faster. I've actually gotten slower over the years. Um, I, I always have the goal to get better, but I don't, and I just enjoy it, if that makes sense. And so... Mm-hmm. I think that's better, though, actually. In, in the Yeah, I mean, my I feel like my dad kind of has quit most of the stuff because he started getting frustrated with the injuries and not getting as fast and and, you know, things just not working out the way he wanted to. And, I mean, my plan is always to get... My goal since I hit 434 um, is to get 430, to shave four minutes off. And I've, I'm, I mean, I probably average a little under five hours now, and that's kind of where I stay. And sometimes I'm over five hours, and I'm a little disappointed. But a part of me was like, I mean, I drive a lot. I don't sleep as much as I'd like. I sleep in hotels half the time. I'm often running in uh, terrain in places I've never been before. I mean... I don't have the normal uh, schedule that anybody would have, let alone somebody that's trying to train for something. So I kind of have let go of most goals outside of fitting into my pants and having fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that's good in the, in the long term though, because I think it's so easy if you have a goal to get so caught up in that to where you become, I've definitely been there where you become obsessed with performing rather than actually enjoying the motion and the journey of it which is where you have the balance right so I actually think that's a good thing overall um so let's transition to what you just said about um you know being able to fit in your pants and let's kind of discuss about some of the runner things uh that you know one of the benefits of being able to run and actually I shouldn't talk about this because uh we did just release a post about how you count can't outrun a bad diet (laughs) but um from what I'm what I've read what I've heard you are a big sweet tooth have a have a big sweet tooth um so what is your favorite post-run treat or sweet that you like to 
have probably more than you should. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Up until about two years ago, I, I mean, I couldn't contain my sweet tooth. Now, uh, because of actually some health problems and some food allergies, I'm off most sweets. Uh, I'm only allowed to have fruit and like non-processed sugar. Wow. And even that I have to keep limited. So before some of my health problems, I'd always have, I always had like a piece, it came down to dark chocolate. Like it used to be like, I really would after any run, I'm like, I ran, I can do whatever I want. And I'd have some M&Ms or, um, usually it'd be like a cookie. And I, I swear I'd get back from a run and I'd have chocolate or some kind of cookie. And then as I started to kind of take it more seriously and get more healthy and my taste would kind of change, I would always have like two pieces of dark chocolate, like really good dark chocolate. And now that I can't even have that, um, post run, I mean, I'm become addicted to this like coconut seltzer. This is my, my jam now. I, this is, it's got, it's gotten that sad that I have a flavored seltzer and that's my treat. <laughs> um, but I mean, for the most part, that's the thing where I, I have no authority cause I don't, I've never, I eat the healthiest I've ever eaten right now. And, um, I have to retrain how I go about my kind of both my schedule and what I do to get ready for a run, what I eat post run. It, like it's all kind of changed in the last specifically the last four months, but really the last two years because I, um, I have a yeast allergy, so I can't have any carbs. And of course now I've read all these books talking about how it's, not the best way for you to get your energy anyway. Yeah. But that being said, your body's still addicted to it. Your body, both your body and your mind has been trained to think that it's what gives you energy. And it becomes almost a placebo effect where oh, yeah. if you don't have it, you feel low energy. So as I've eaten more protein and, and gotten my, um, my kind of my energy from other sources, I've, I mean, I haven't had Gatorade in like two years and I used to, they used to be an essential. Like if I didn't have Gatorade, I'm like, well, I, ca I can't do my long run. I don't have <laughs> Gatorade. So the fact that I'm, I'm doing it without Gatorade and without any kind of processed sugar, it's kind of changed the game for me. And I don't know if that, I mean, some of the, some of the, is, some of that is the reason I haven't done any marathons, but some of it's because my schedule has been uh, more intense than it ever has. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. For me, it's like, I just did something that I'm proud of. I, kind of always allow myself to have whatever I want in moderation. Yeah, yeah. And that's good. I mean, that you've changed it slowly, but you, you know, it doesn't sound like you were ever out of control. So a good thing overall. Have you managed to, do you, have you influenced other people you've been working with? I mean, I could imagine being a comedian isn't the healthiest of businesses that, you know, the people around you, you know, you, know, you eat out a lot, things like that. Have you influenced other people kind of, got them into running or eating healthier? Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. I'm known as the, I mean, I'm a kind of a crazy cat lady and I'm kind of a crazy runner lady. So it's <laughs> this weird thing where the first thing people ask me is, um, are you marathon training or how was your last marathon and how's your cat? So it's <laughs> thing that like those people seem to just know that about me. And whenever somebody decides to start running or signed up for a race or has any questions, like I'm the unofficial authority on getting into, like, I just did an audition for this network and the woman's like, you're a runner, right? And then she started asking me all these questions about how to get into running. And I was like, wow, this woman, I've only auditioned for her once before and already knows this is a part of my identity. So most of my family, um, find something, you know, it doesn't even have to be running, just finding uh, 
showing them the kind of the discipline I've used over the years to continue something that isn't always fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're running in zero degree weather or, you know, a hundred degrees outside, it's not always the most fun. So kind of showing tricks of what I do when I don't want to run and how I get myself to do that. And then, um, just everything I've read so many books about, you know, what you're supposed to eat and how you're supposed to train and how you're supposed to stretch. And I've read every magazine that it's like, you start to realize that you are kind of both from physically doing it. And then all the research you've done over the years, you start to become, you're like, Oh, I know some things. Mm -hmm. I have some ideas. I think that's important to point uh, to like mention though, that, you know, you don't have to be a two and a half hour marathoner to actually be considered an expert. Like an expert is anyone you are an expert to anyone who has less knowledge than you. So, you know, like you said, anyone who has never run before, anyone listening right now, if you, you know, you, the fact you're even listening to this podcast, unless you're my parents, yeah. <laughs> you're probably um, interested in running and you, you probably know a good amount. So don't think of yourselves as not a runner just because you, you know, you can't run as many miles as you want to or run as fast as you want to. So I think that's a good point to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. Like my, my little sister has no desire to run, but she's trying to lose weight. And so I'm doing all these different activities with her. And I told her whatever activity you find that you're excited about, just because you're not good at it right away, doesn't mean that you're not ever going to get out of it. Like even just her, when we run and walk together, I go, whatever your goal is, let's say your goal is just to run a mile, then we're going to run as long as you can, whether that's 10 seconds or 20 or a minute, mm -hmm. and then we'll walk a little bit and then we'll run a little bit. And you'd be surprised how quickly, because I've, the other thing is like, I relearned that lesson so much from all the injuries I've had over the years that, you know, you spend, you know, a year trying to, and you're in the best shape you've ever been in. And then you get injured, you don't run for a month. And you're like, how did I lose all that? Like, yeah. it, you lose it so quickly that you have to almost remember, all right, now we got to start from square one, it's not going to take as long, but just, you know, run until you can anymore, then you walk and then we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. it, it, the mental game of it is just as challenging as the physical aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's pretty helpful for other, other people listening as well. You know, especially with you being, I'm sure being a comedian, you don't mind being a bit more real with that, you know, running isn't as glamorous as some people think it is. And, you know, yeah. especially people that say to us, oh, you're crazy for running. Like, how do you enjoy it? And, it's, you know, I, I'm an elite runner, yet I don't enjoy every single run I do. And yeah. no, no runner does. And, you know, every runner is going to go through every single run and at some point think, how long do I have left? Because, yeah. you know, that's just going to go through your mind. And so I, I bet it's good for people listening to you, knowing that, you know, you can be a bit more real with things that other people can't. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how I feel about stand up. I love it and I never not want to do it. But there's some there's some sets that I've done that I'm like, I can't wait for this to be over. Yeah, yeah. I like these people. <laughs> this why did I choose to do this with my life <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know let's talk about this so there are some parallels between like facing your fears as a runner or like you know a fear of not reaching a goal or not doing as well as you want with the same kind of fear of not being funny enough or people not laughing there are are there a lot more parallels than we would realize um absolutely I mean I for me Stand up and show business and all that crap. I mean, I find it all um, about rejection and not even just the rejection of other people, but you're even like falling short of your own expectations and and um, uh, things just not working out the way you thought it would. So it's kind of 
because that's most of what my life is, people rejecting me, people saying they don't like what I do, not getting a certain job, um, um, things not turning out the way I wanted to, jokes not landing the way I'd like. Because I have spent 13 years doing that, whenever I do something of a parallel um, uh, difficulty, it, it, it's easier to get over those humps because I know they're A, that it's not the end of the world, B, that it happens to everyone, and see that you, you usually find something different or better when things don't work out the way you had planned them to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, certain training, like, there's definitely days that I say, okay, I'm going out, I'm going to run seven miles, and I run three. And that is, was not part of the plan. And I don't feel good about it. But then you kind of reassess, well, why did I only run three? Is there another day that I can run seven? What can I do so that this happens less? And you're able to step back and kind of, plan better and a not beat yourself up because it doesn't really matter, but B figure out why you had uh, a thought that you wanted to, and then it didn't come to fruition. So I don't know. It just, um, because things fall short so much in comedy, it's not as devastating for things to fall short in other areas. Cause you're like, all right, let's figure this out. Huh. And has it worked the other way where, you know, in, in comedy, when something doesn't go well, you think, you know, oh, well, you know, I made it through that marathon when I was, you know, I made it through that marathon when I was running in the cold. Does it, has it worked that way as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's something about, cause I think uh, it's a lot of mental, um, muscle that you make with comedy and, and, and emotional intelligence that you build with comedy that kind of pulls over into running. And then there's a lot of physical challenges in running as well as some mental, um, stamina that you build that can be carried over into, uh, doing standup. Like I, I tell people that I've bombed for an hour. You don't know what an hour feels like <laughs> until people aren't laughing at you and staring at you like you're crazy for an hour. And you think, well, I've run a six hour marathon. It can't feel any longer than that. And it, you find a way it's kind of just like the head games. I kind of play with myself to get through a difficult run or a difficult race. You kind of can play those head games on stage and find ways to make it fun and interesting and, and, and a story. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good to hear, especially, you know, I'm sure a lot of people think, you know, being a comedian is the best job in the world. You know, you make people laugh and you, you have fun and you, you're around all these fun people, but it's, it's, you know, that's a good wake up that everyone has a job. Everyone has something that some days you're going to have to drudge through, but it's, you know, some days are going to be great. Some days are going to be bad, but it's, it's good to hear you say that because, you know, I would have thought before today and I'm sure a lot of people that, uh, comedy, oh, that's such a fun job. That's always going to be great. But, you know, you don't ever really see the, the other parts that you just mentioned there. Yeah, no, it sucks most of the time. <laughs> so very similar to running then. <laughs> yeah, very similar to running. So let's talk about your uh, I'm a runner video. I'm not sure if the, how many of the listeners have seen it. I'm sure some of them have. Uh, but do you want to just tell us a little about how that came about? I will put a link to it at the show notes, which will be at runnersconnect.net forward slash RC68. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little old, but it kind of got rejuvenated because, um, I got some work from it, but I, um, hooked up with my, my buddy who, he was actually, um, in the military and he was in Afghanistan and he'd spent all this time, um, in the military and he was a photographer and he came back and he wanted to do headshots and just kind of become like a, you know, get paid to be a photographer. So he took headshots for me and we became really good friends. And 
as we became friends, he wanted to do more video stuff. So he kind of gave me this outlet to was like, if you have any funny ideas for videos you want to make, let me know. And so I was like, I'm kind of playing with this idea of like a girl that thinks she's a really great runner, but she's clearly not because it's a in comedy. You deal with that a lot. People that think they're so funny and think they're God's gift to comedy and they're just not. (laughs) And you're like, how do you not see that you're not that special? And I feel like in some ways, the way people perceive me as a runner in a very unhealthy world, because I'm there's very few people that are as health conscious, both physically and um, dietary as I am. So there's something I, I very much could have been fed into that lie that I'm really good at running and I'm this ultra healthy, great person. And I thought, well, what if I fell into that trap? What if I was this person that kind of believed that I was like God's gift to running and how would that look like? So we kind of made this like um, kind of fake documentary about a girl that thinks she's just an amazing runner and that she's like, she should be giving everybody tips and, you know, um, and that almost that like do as I say, don't do as I do kind of thing, but she doesn't realize she's doing it wrong. And I had a bunch of ideas and we kind of just edited it together and it came out way better than I thought it would because it just was very seamlessly ridiculous where I would say something and I would clearly be doing something (laughs) different. And then, um, I just kind of put it out there. I sent it to some magazines and stuff. Nobody really cared about it. And I just continued to, I wrote a lot of running jokes. I performed for a couple, um, marathons and stuff like that, but it would, running has always just been a fun hobby that I did. And then runner's world actually found it. Um, cause it was loosely based off the videos they make, um, for the I'm a runner section mm-hmm. and, um, in their magazine. And somebody passed it on to one of the people there. They reached out to me and then I ended up running a couple races for them, um, doing a corporate gig for their staff and uh, the people at their festival, uh, their runner festival. And then they profiled me in the I'm a runner section Mm -hmm. magazine and stuff. So it was kind of one of like, it was like four years after I made it. (laughs) Um, Something that was, I mean, that's the nice thing about the internet is you make stuff, you put it out there and you don't know who's going to connect to it or find it and stuff yeah so yeah and may just take a while as well <laughs> yeah no it's cool and I'm, I'm glad I stayed in shape long enough to enjoy <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well it is a good one and I encourage people to check it out so make sure you do um so let's talk about uh you've just been on tour with Chris McDougall who we did have on the podcast a few months ago um and actually the link to that is runnersconnect.net forward slash natural born heroes um, but how did you meet Chris and what's touring with him like? Um, so Chris found me on the internet as well. I, um, I came out with my first album, um, in December and I have, a, I probably have about 10, 15 minutes about running and fitness and health. And so I didn't have money for PR. So my PR was, uh, taking a class <laughs> and, um, and then taking some of my bits, putting them online and, uh, trying to get people to, uh, watch those videos. And one of them was my marathon joke, um, that I put online and then I kind of just had it circulating around runners world retweeted it. It was, it was just something to get some of the runner people's attention because it is such a big part of both my life and, um, my act and that album. And, uh, he saw the bit and really liked it. And he reached out to me on Twitter and just wrote the nicest tweet and, you know, sent my, um, marathon video out there. And I, when I saw that it was him, cause I was such a huge fan of born to run and I just love his writing style that I was kind of like, what? <laughs> like, 
I've never really liked Twitter, let alone the internet is usually people saying mean things to me that I was just so kind of floored that I was like, wow, it's an honor. Thank you so much. If you like that, maybe you'll like my, my, um, dieting material. So I had another video from my album with dieting material. He watched that. He loved that. He retweeted that. And then he was like, keep it coming. He was like, I, I, he's like, I have a run and I have to pick up my kids. I don't want to do any of these things right now. And so, um, and it was in the winter, so he was cold. So I, um, sent him my whole album. He listened to my whole album. We talked back and forth. He actually ended up liking all my cat material. He <laughs> him and his wife have three cats. So he ended up enjoying my, my stuff. We emailed back and forth. And then like two days later, he asked me to go on tour with him. And I was just so surprised that he wanted me to be a part of his tour. And, uh, especially because I probably would have been a better, um, option for his earlier tour since it was all about running. And this tour was more about, uh, free movement and parkour. Um, but I ended up, he said, I, right before we, um, toured, I actually did a tour all throughout Europe. I was based in London and then, um, did six countries in Europe. And he set me up with, um, this woman, Shirley, who's in the book. Um, and she gave me a private two hour parkour lesson. Then when I was traveling with them, it was some of the best people in parkour and I, I did parkour with them. And now I'm kind of taking classes here oh, and cool. figuring it out, seeing if it, I did gymnastics for so long and there's similarities, yeah. but I'm so 30 now <laughs> and uh, scared. <laughs> uh, my insurance isn't the best. <laughs> so, so it's, it's one of those things that, um, it, it definitely opened, I loved the book and it opened up my eyes to, you know, different ways of moving. And, um, he's wonderful. I'm, he is such a thoughtful, um, caring, fun loving, uh, person to be around that even when like, we definitely, our brains work very similarly that we're always thinking a mile a minute. And we also read a lot and we're always kind of taking an idea and trying to make it bigger and seeing how attached to other stuff but we definitely don't agree on a lot of stuff. And that was kind of fun to have those debates and be like, well, I don't even see how you got that to there and almost fighting a little bit like siblings and, and, and enjoying it, like it being kind of fun and stuff. So both the actual touring and doing the shows together, but then we would all go out to eat and just talk about life and stuff. And he just, um, as a journalist and as a runner and as somebody that's just really curious, I just find his mind fascinating. Mm -hmm. And he's just, wonderful person that I I mean I aspire to be as awesome as him <laughs> yeah no he was great and uh, I that's what that was an awesome podcast with him when when I got to talk to him and that was just for an, you know, an hour so I, I can only imagine how much fun you had with him on tour and you're doing a half marathon with him in a few months correct yeah he uh he convinced me to do the half marathon in his hometown so he's in Lancaster and um it's called Bird in Hand and I think the Amish put it together mm. which is actually probably perfect for my diet it's probably like bananas they give out the side <laughs> water and stuff so uh, I invited my running buddy um in New York to come do it with me so we're going to do that in September and then we also me and her also signed up for a half in Brooklyn as well oh, okay. so I haven't really done that many races since I did the um, Runner's World Festival last October. Yeah. So I'm trying to trying to get back into shape myself. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Are you going to uh, gonna chase him down, sprint past him at the end? I, I mean, first of all, he's a very tall man. I think he's like 6'4 or something. <laughs> um, I, he always says he's out of shape and that he's not that fit. But like my roommate's six feet tall. And even when she's out of shape, she's still faster Just long than strides. me. strides. Yeah, it's not fair. <laughs> so, um, so I doubt it. Um, we'll see what happens. 
I'm sure he'll wait at the end and make fun of me. So that's, <laughs> that's what you really need a friend for. <laughs> that's what you always want. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, uh, Liz, that's about all the questions I have for today. Uh, I just have one more that is nothing to do with the interview, but I ask all the guests, which is if you could give one word to describe what you would like to become, accomplish, or achieve this year, what would it be and why? Uh, mine's like a hyphenated word. Okay. Uh, two-pack. Two-pack. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't ever want a six-pack, but I want my two-pack back. Okay. And when I was in my best shape, I had I had that like right under your boobs, like that kind of like definition yep. two-pack. I want it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well, we'll have to check in with you later in the year and see if see how it's going. We'll have like two-pack watch or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I like to say that I get one, but for some reason I can't get the second one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Good choice. That's probably the most unique one we've had so far. I like it. <laughs> I can't remember what Chris chose, but uh, it was a good one. I remember he had a good speech afterwards. But um, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm sure people have enjoyed listening to you today. And um, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you? Um, everything is just LizMealy.com, at LizMealy on Twitter, okay. LizMealy Comedy on Facebook. It's, it's all my name. Okay. You'll find my face and the picture of okay. a cat, probably. <laughs> all right. Easy to find. Well, thank you, Liz. We well, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Tupac, can you believe that hyphenated word? At first, my mind jumped to a different kind of Tupac, and I'm sure some of you did too. That was a fun interview, and I'm hoping you had some strange stares from passers-by as you laughed out loud at her humour. Now we all look strange together, right? The topics from today's episode, as well as a link to Liz's website, can be found at runnersconnect.net forward slash rc68. If you enjoyed today, I'm hoping you will subscribe to the podcast through your chosen way of listening for future episodes, and you will consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. I know I say this every week, but if you want to support me and Runners Connect, this really is the best way to do it. I would really appreciate it. Thank you in advance and have a great week.